0: The Money Show. Other People's Money. Other People's Money is really good fun. Tonight's Other People's Money is going to start off on a very sad note, I think. But uh, it's really good to welcome Eugene Koza into The Money Show this evening on Other People's Money. Eugene is a comedian. He's an actor. He's a TV personality. And there can be absolutely no experience more horrendous than losing a child. The agony of that loss is unbearable. And comedian Eugene Koza made his return to stages late last year, five years after losing his son. And during that time, he also lost one of his best friends. So he's had blow after blow, and it's really tough. And he's with us tonight. And welcome back, Eugene. I mean, I'm sure lots of people are really happy to have you back. But grief is an astonishing and dreadful emotion because you just never know when it's going to strike, and particularly in your line of work, it must have been really, really difficult, even more difficult.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Bruce, and uh, you're absolutely right. But I find that more than anything, it's the greatest teacher of them all, you know. It teaches us how to heal, how to operate, and how to move on and how to accept. So I've learned a lot from grief, uh, despite
0: the other consequences of it. Yeah, I mean, I wish I'd, I'd rather read the book than experience it firsthand. So, <laughs> so you know, it's just it, it, it's it, you've been you've been through a really difficult time, and you 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 disappeared from the public eye for five years. What did you do mm. during that time? I mean, were you well? Was it a case of lots of counselling and reflection? Were you doing other work? What what was going on in the background?
1: Absolutely, it was a bit of everything. I did a bit of therapy, which was very much needed. Um, I did a lot of writing um, for television and for uh, uh, stage as well. And then I was preparing for my one-man show, which came later on. But most importantly, I took a year off and I got a beach house in uh, Port Elizabeth. And I lived right by the ocean for a year and collected my thoughts and, you know, regained my strength and fell in love with entertainment again. So I'm very glad I did that because... Without that,
0: I don't know where I'd be today. No, exactly. And I mean, unfortunately, there are many, many people in your position who go through uh, unbelievable Hmm. loss, who don't have the ability to do what you did. How did you manage that? Because, uh, you know, it's particularly when if if it's just yourself, but you've got at least one other child. I think you speak about your daughter. Yes. um, When you've got responsibilities, there has to be income. There has to be at least some reserve somewhere, which is the other people's money part of our conversation to Hmm. allow you that luxury and it is a luxury to heal out of the public eye
1: yeah absolutely um i think this will sound very anti other people's money kind of talk but i left it up to the universe i took the little that i had and i i gambled it on myself you know i had to invest in myself and my peace of mind and my daughter's education fortunately and um funny enough work started coming in that was outside of the public eye that managed um to keep me afloat for a while you know I also wrote a training program, which I got to do with a business partner of mine for for Sunlum. And we were touring the country um, teaching people presentation skills. So that was a nice outlet for me. And I kind of got to experience what people in the corporate world go through, especially people in the insurance business and how they view their clientele and how their clientele views money. And I got to learn from that personally. So I was lucky in that regard.
0: Uh, And again, so much of what happens in the insurance industry is about dealing with people Mm. with grief. Um, You know, when uh, I I recall dealing with an insurance company, which shall remain nameless. And I was just... (laughs) Sorry, I named mine. No, 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 but you you named yours in a positive way, and that's fine. Um, This was one individual working within this one insurance company, and I was so flabbergasted because you are. You're sitting in a a place of loss, and there's an insurance claim, Mm. and you... You get given you get a phone call from this person who sits and is rabbiting a script at you with the sense mm-hmm. of emotion and the sense of feeling of a spade um, and you just go mm-hmm. you don't have, I don't expect <laughs> you to cry for me I don't expect you to oh, yes. but just to have some warmth. Just have some, not even empathy, just some warmth, some humanities, Uh, not this is one person under pressure getting (laughs) through a list of jobs to do and not relating to their customer. And one of the things I'm sure that would have been very valuable Mm -hmm. in that teaching people within insurance to do communication more effectively is Mm -hmm. empathy, because empathy is something that it's so critical in particularly uh, in COVID times and in times of, of, of loss for people.
1: Spot on. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. Human experiences are what connects clients and financial advisors to their clients. And, you know, for the longest time, the word financial advisor, people just only heard advisor or financial. They never heard the advisor part. And you can only advise something that you can empathize with or you can relate with. So we found that a lot of connection has to do with how people feel, what people have gone through. And obviously, racially and demographically, people react differently to money and conversations about money. And the most striking thing was how people of color deal with the issues of a will, because sometimes why people of color mostly don't have wills, and I'm not generalizing here, it's from that sample that they've taken, was because it's hard to decide who should be responsible for your money when you're no longer here or your possessions. And for a lot of people, it feels like they're choosing a favorite but uh, for financial advisors' job is to teach people that it's actually safeguarding your wealth and the well-being of your loved ones. It's not about choosing a favorite. So those little paradigm shifts that that should happen for for people's finances could actually go a long way. And I was happy to make a positive impact on that.
0: No, but that thing where I'm not going to deal with it now because I don't want to be seen to having favorites. (laughs) You just leave hell behind for anybody who's (laughs) potentially a beneficiary from your estate. Because I mean, wrapping up an estate, if you're lucky, happens Mm -hmm. in two years. If you're lucky, if you're Mm -hmm. supremely Mm -hmm. organised, if you've ticked every box and crossed every T and dotted every I, still the master's office has got a rule somewhere that says don't move too quickly. Um, You know, absolutely. it's a it's a terrible, Absolutely. terrible environment. But you you, you had mm. the ability and you created the ability for yourself. Mm. You you didn't just sort of go and sit and, and feel sorry for yourself. I'm sure you did feel very sorry for yeah. yourself, but you didn't just opt yes. out. You were still very active. You were just doing it out of the public eye because you can't be standing on a stage delivering a message and suddenly have a wave of grief swat you from some way that you never imagined possible or something triggers you and you fall apart on stage because that's one way of you know, really ruining a brand and ruining uh, your name? Absolutely. I, I couldn't possibly do that. I remember on the
1: second year anniversary of my son's passing, I had, I was doing a show in Australia at the Sydney Comedy Festival. It was the last show of 10 days. And that feeling crept up on me as I was leaving stage. And I knew then that something was terribly wrong and I had to take time off because for the longest time I had brushed the grief off and, you know, I take it in my stride, but I didn 't realize that you know you you have to allow yourself to be sad, you have to allow yourself to grieve, and then you have to allow yourself to come out of the grief and that that moment for me was very pivotal. you know yeah. I always wanted to play overseas, and this was my first gig overseas, and I was having the time of my life and i was I was broken inside so i'm yeah i'm I'm a big fan of healing. I wish men could talk more about their feelings I wish we could express ourselves more and we could take the time off to let people know that we're not doing okay if we need the help that
0: we we should be getting but you do a lot of that aren't you i mean i, I get from what i've read absolutely. about you is that i mean yeah. and I'm, I'm meeting more and more men who are sort of having breakfasts and having lunches and yeah. get together once a month just to talk and you go yes hold on a second what's happened to men but this is men being yes. real men frankly finally yes absolutely what what do we th- what do we
1: think People were doing in ships while they were traveling the world and exploring as barbarians and and and, and travelers and and all of that it was it was a bunch of men sitting on a on a ship, even a, in a battlefield in a trench, while they were making the trench art and the, the, whatever they were doing and waiting for gunshots to be fired on the other end. Men were sitting around and talk. Uh, it's just a cop- the way things change after industrialization and people had to go to work and come back and separate and travel long from from where they used to live, it kind of separated people from little communities that they had built around gender-specific communities as well. So I'm a very big fan of women spending time with other women to understand women's issues and children being children and men being men. And then we become better societies and, and families when we blend that all together and bring different perspectives. So I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of that. I'm a believer of, of letting people be themselves, you know?
0: We're talking to Eugene Cosa this evening, comedian, actor, TV personality. He's back. We're going to talk about the tough gig of comedy, what it's like to make your life, your your livelihood out of making other people laugh. But he's got multiple arrows in his very expansive quiver. We've touched on some of those this evening, but we'll pick up on that, pick up on the money stories in a moment. The Money Show. Other people's money. So, this comedy gig kicks off in 2007 for you. How did you crack comedy? It's one of the, the toughest gigs to crack anywhere.
1: <laughs> I still think I haven't cracked it. There's so much to learn. It was purely coincidental. A friend of mine invited me to a comedy gig. The club owner of the comedy gig said jump on, and I jumped on and I was hooked from then. I was just a kid that was working in a, sh- in a retail shop in a mall, and here I was finding something interesting to do every Wednesday and that subsequently became the path that i followed for all these years so i've been lucky i've been totally lucky i don't think talent has to do much to do with it i've just been spectacularly lucky
0: yeah, come on. Um, let's explore that just a little bit. I mean, were you are you like the youngest in your family? Um, are you the kid? I'm the last third, third or four. The third or four. That's close enough to youngest. Um, and you've got to yes. you've got to survive. You've got to tell the jokes because otherwise you get beaten up constantly. You've got to like earn your place in the family. And I wonder if that was many comedians <laughs> are actually younger in their families.
1: For me, the motivation because I'm quite a small guy at school. Um I I needed that as a survival mechanism. I was I was a friend with all the bullies at school because I could always make them laugh, you know. I was their lucky charm. I would hang around with them and we would have so much fun just making fun of people. I remember after school we would play soccer and then my favorite part was when it was my turn to sit on the sidelines and have the commentary happening while we were watching the other kids playing, you know. So that was my favorite part and that's where I think I sharpened my my comedy wit, you know, it was just my observation. And just by commenting on what I see and finding what I find funny, you know, and hoping that someone else finds it funny, which in this case happened to be Bear the bully at school.
0: Yeah, no, uh, look, and you joined the bullies, so we're not going to explore that. <laughs> We're not going to explore that because you know. you uh, beat join what uh, beat them or join them. What is it? Um, anyway, you yes. joined. Uh so now yes, I joined. Uh, the 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 power of having that platform is then accentuated mm-hmm. by going on TV and having doing the light shows, doing the quick witted shows, doing the quick retorts, because mm-hmm. it, immediately that builds your profile in a way that other other than social media clips perhaps uh, can reach.
1: Absolutely, and and I also. Once again, it was a stroke of luck on my, on the universe's part because the best friend of mine that passed away is the one that spotted me on stage and recommended me for television and I didn't want to show up for television. And that was my first gig and I ended up traveling the world commenting and, and uh, watching how fans of soccer watch soccer during the World Cup 2010 build-up. So for me, television as well was one of those things. But as soon as I had a platform, I started realizing that it was powerful to show people that anyone can do it. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to go to a fancy school because I went to a township school all my life, you know. I didn't go to university after school. So for me to end up on television and traveling the world and being on stages and selling out shows locally was was a dream come true. And I I hope that other people could see that from me and think, wow, I can do that as well.
0: Have you suffered A financial setback Have you The last five years This five years of healing And working quietly In the background Or did you keep your income Relatively consistent During that time I'm trying to figure out How you're managing Your financial life uh, Post bereavement Oh there was
1: (laughs) There was not There was not a lot To be honest with you There was not a lot Of financial um, Means to 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 manage I was just lucky um, Through that other gig of mine That I was able to maintain My lifestyle You know so uh, I, I, I didn't have a lot of savings. Um, I didn't have the luxury of savings. As we know, a lot of people came out of COVID. Uh, even people with corporate jobs are going through a lot. And you can sure. only imagine with us on the entertainment side. And I had to dabble into the corporate world to, to make ends meet, you know. But I'm glad that happened because it taught me another side of me that I didn't know. Uh, I, I never thought I would be that person that ends up sitting there in front of every one of these people and telling them what I told them. But it happened and it was specifically aligned as well to what I do for a living, which is entertaining people. And now I was teaching them how to get their clients entertained while they are trying to, Get them to make life
0: decisions that are crucial to them, and I mean, if you can sell, if you can help people feel good about making decisions like filling, writing out a will, and choosing, yes. um, uh, choo- choosing people to manage your estate, and all of the stuff that we really don't want to face, but you can do it in a way that is friendly and charming and warm, possibly even a little yes. bit funny. Um, you are going to have a far yes. higher success rate. Um, of that, I have no absolutely no doubt at all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think from listening to your show and hearing quite a number of CEOs and business leaders coming onto the station is people don't follow leaders that they fear. They follow leaders that they love. And you have to lead by example and lead from the front. And I think once you become vulnerable and put yourself out there to your clients, um, you make them realize that you are one of them and they are you as well. You know, you've made mistakes and you're trying to negate them from making the same mistakes going forward. That's the part of being a financial advisor. That's the part of being a leader and talking to this breadwinner that's leading their family is you're exemplifying what leadership is by being vulnerable. And vulnerability has been such a crucial part of how yeah. they did business from then onwards. And it's it's yielded results and they were tangible. And we could see in how they con, uh, converted clients.
0: Are you are your finances back on track? Are, are you back in control again now that you are back on stage and you, you're back performing, doing what you love?
1: Slowly, climb, climb, climbing the ladder, climbing it wisely this time. Um, I think more than anything, I've taken lessons from the past to take more control of my deals, to take more control of my own finances, because what I've realized is we get taught very early in entertainment that the money that we make is money for now, and we don't invest in the long-term deals. So I've learned in the last few years to play the long game, you know, to sign the deals that will last you a lifetime if possible, you know, or last you into the future, so I'm, instead of having money now, I'd rather have money later. And I'm, I'm happy with that decision. It's a sacrifice that I'm making and it's an investment to my to my own financial well-being.
0: And, and how are you feeling about the future? I mean, you, you seem to be as well healed as anybody can be mm. after and going through mm. what you've been through. But, but you feel you sound optimistic. You sound as if you are ready to to build again. Yo, I'm 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 very optimistic
1: about the future, and I wish that for everyone else. I just feel like uh, a lot of people in the public eye, in the entertainment industry, uh, some of them were not so kind to people who are their fans in the way we 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 kind of gloated and posted on social media about how well we were doing, and we never we never empathized, you know, uh, with 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 a lot of our fans. And I feel like we need to bring that back a little bit. But I'm looking forward into the future. I've got a few TV projects that are, that are lined up uh, in the U.S.
0: I've got uh, festivals US. that are coming up. Just in, drop that. Yes. Is this your, is this, is this, <laughs> is this courtesy of your friend Trevor? Has Trevor connected you to one or two people? Because he's too rich now to do TV. So um, <laughs> has he been helpful?
1: Uh, yes. And yeah, absolutely. Um, luckily it's not in front of the television screen it's uh, it's behind the scenes mm. it's one of the lessons that I've learned. I've, I want to be heavily involved behind the scenes and I've been blessed enough to have a few projects in the works over there a podcast that I do with a friend of mine Josh Pincus uh, who now lives in Tel Aviv and obviously the festivals that are coming up and um, this comedy shows, my one man show that's coming up as well that we started in November. So I'm very optimistic about the future. And if you had asked me this five years ago, I wouldn't have imagined mm-hmm. myself being here and, and having the opportunities that I have and the context that I have globally.
0: Eugene, what a breath of fresh air. Lovely to talk to you and thank you for coming on and thank you for sharing so much. You know, Eugene Koza, he's a comedian, he's an actor, he's a television personality and increasingly a guy working behind the scenes at interesting places. Watch his name, Eugene Koza, is back.